Okay, I want to welcome you to River Church this morning, our Sunday morning service, and we're ministering on the advantage of a crisis. And this is number four in this series, the advantage of a crisis. So if you've had a crisis, and you have, or if you're in a crisis, and you might be, or if you're ever going to have a crisis, which you will, you need to tune in this morning and find out that there are advantages, there's an upside to having a crisis. So turn in your Bible with me, if you would, to the book of John, chapter 16. We've looked at this for three weeks now, and one thing we looked at was the definition, the plain old dictionary definition of a crisis. And there's several there, but I want to focus this morning on one particular definition, which said it's a time when a difficult or important decision must be made. So it's not like everything's burning up around you or you have no money. Sometimes it's just a time where you've put it off, you had options and you didn't have to pull one of them, but suddenly the T in the road has come and you gotta make a decision on something that's important or difficult. You have to, what they call fish or cut bait, you gotta, you gotta go that. And that presents a, a crisis. So a crisis isn't, like I said, your, your uh, house is on fire. It's just when it puts you in a place of stress or a place of decision and you have to make a decision or you have to make a, uh, uh, a commitment to something. In John chapter 16, the Lord Jesus, as we've read every week, says these things, so we have to go up above and look at those things that he said, I have spoken unto you that in me, that in the Lord Jesus, Oh, let's just put on the peace of God this morning. Hallelujah. I just receive his peace. No matter what's going on around you or me or us in Alabama, this United States, our president, we just put on the peace of God. I put on the Lord Jesus today. Amen. And I put on the peace of God that passes all my intellect, all my knowledge, all my experience, all my memories that passes understanding. We put that on and we don't let it go in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Well, he said here that in me, ye might have peace in the world. He said, ye shall have, ye shall have, ye shall have. And that word shall is, an, is a definite word. It it's, doesn't have any room into it. Shall means it will happen. Ye shall have tribulation, but we love that little B-U-T there, but be of good cheer. I, the Lord Jesus said, have overcome the world. The word means I've conquered the world. So we have great hope here because he said everybody's going to go through things. Everybody's going to come to the T in the road. We're going to have to make a decision. But he said, I'm already with you. And when you get there, I'll be there and it'll all turn out amazing. So we just put that on this morning. Somebody told me the other day, you know, well, this, this has happened to me. <coughs> Excuse me. And I've had this problem. <coughs> Excuse me again. And, you know, woe is me. It's just hard. It's just hard. Do y'all hear those stories? It's just hard. My, my life is hard. But the thing is, here's what, what's happened to all of us. We all have a story. Everybody's got a story. Yeah, when we, when we, get, we get through getting listening to your story, I'll tell you a story that'll just turn you on your head. And, you know, you'll go, wow, I, I don't have a story. And we have stories of mighty deliverance, mighty crushing situations that seem so unfair you notice you'll, when somebody's in a, uh, they'll report on TV that uh, someone very young died in a tragedy or a gun, sh uh, a gun battle or something, and they'll always come back and say, well, this 12-year-old this was a good student and, had a, and everybody loved her and, and goes on with her attributes as if, as if 
that she didn't deserve to die, but somebody that was on drugs deserved to die. This is wrong. Everybody deserves to live, and, but you got to put on the Lord Jesus or the best of us are going to be put under. Hallelujah. So um, <clears throat> he said, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So if we get in him, if we stay in the Lord Jesus, then we have overcome the world. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. So, yeah, your story is important. It keeps you reminded. It keeps you stirred up about how the Lord delivered you out of them all. Yay. So tribulation is not crisis. Jesus said tribulation here. But crisis or the reaction to a tribulation can be a crisis. It's not what happens to you that's bad. It's what your response is that what happens to you that can be bad. <clears throat> it's got two ways to go. Tribulation can come and it'll put you under, it put you over. It depends on how we respond to it. What do we put on when tribulation comes? Because it is coming. Well, it can put you over and put you under. Now, I want to talk just for a minute and uh, look with me in Mark chapter 10 about a controlled crisis. Mark chapter 10. Not all crisis is something that just comes out of the blue and uh, attacks you. It's not always an attack. And that's the connotation that we always have is a crisis has come. Well, no tribulation has come and you either weren't prepared for it or you made the wrong decision in it or uh, you just did nothing. And the tribulation turned into a crisis. Most of my troubles in my life is when something came and it seemed little and I ignored it. I just said, I can handle this. Y'all know what I'm talking about. No need. This is just a little scratchy thing or it's just a little cough or it's just a little, it's just a spot on my arm or whatever or this money, you know, just treated it like it's little. And suddenly it blew up like a bomb and it was big in your life and all of a sudden you're overwhelmed and suddenly a tribulation turned into a crisis. But a controlled crisis is when you choose the way out. You, there's there's a, a, a price that you pay to choose your way out. Look with me in Mark chapter 10. Let's look in verse 28. Uh, here we are. Verse 28. And Jesus, looking upon them, saith, With men it is impossible, but not with God. For with God all things are possible. I hope you have the big gold star next to that one. It'll help you sometime. Then Peter began to say unto him, Lo, we have left all and have followed thee. And Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, truly, truly, there is no man that has left house or brethren or sister. You know, he's not talking about you left the house and you went to the store or even that you moved off. He's talking about when you can't stay with those people anymore and continue to believe what you believe and walk in the life that you walk. He said, no one has left house or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands. I, I left uh, 1,500 acres in West Texas and went into the ministry. I, I didn't do it because it wasn't good. I didn't do it because I was excited about the ministry. I knew nothing. Grass is green. I was greener. I knew nothing, but I left it. And part of it was based, my hope was based on this promise that says nobody's left lands for my sake 
and the Gospels, and here's the promise, but he shall receive a hundredfold. Now in this time, say right now. Right now. It's not in sweet by and by. It's in the right now by and by. Now in this time, what will you get? What will you receive a hundredfold of? Houses, uh-oh, brethren, sisters and mothers and children and lands. But here it is, with persecutions, with persecutions, with persecutions. Not everybody's going to be excited about your stand, your stalwartness, your conviction that says, I must leave, I must go, I must separate myself from these things because God's shown me this and I must go and do that. Not everybody's excited about that. Everybody would rather you just stay where you are and we'll just work through this the way we've always worked. But then he said in verse 31, but many that are first shall be last and the last first. This is a, this is a scripture that's telling us that God gets the last word. You may go through months, even years of a situation where it looks like not only does not God not know, if he knows, he doesn't care. But he said, I get the last word. The last, the ones that gave up, will be first. And the first that would not give up, well, they're going to be somewhere else. Yay. Thank you, Lord. So sometimes you choose the kingdom. You take on the crisis on purpose and with determination. You say, God wants me to do this. He wants me to leave that. Or he wants me to enter into this. He wants me to go there. But it's not going to be easy. It's going to be hard. But that's why he said just before that, he said, with God, all things are possible. So he's going to lead us, but it's going to be when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil because God is with me. So sometimes crisis is not that something that comes on you, but it's something that you grit your teeth, you back your... You pull your ears back and you just say, I'm going through this with him. That is life. That is life. You didn't get where you are right now, no matter where you are, without going through some crises, going through some places where you had to choose, even if there was a price. And there was a price. Sometimes there's more price than we thought. Like if we'd known the price, if I'd known the price to come into Alabama, I admit it. I don't know which way it would have gone. I paid a great price to come here, it seems. But once you're here, doggone, you're here. It's more trouble to go back. So you just stay, and the Lord just gets to have his way with you. Amen. So the crisis, the crisis that you're in, whether, whether a control crisis or crisis that comes on you, is the reason that most people have feelings of desperation, of depression, where you want to give up. You meet somebody that says, I just want to give up. Life's not worth living. I'm just, I'm in a crisis right now. I see no way out. There's no plan. There's no path for me. Uh, I might as well just quit. And they go off and either attempt or actually follow through with suicide or they just give up. They just surrender everything that's good and right in their life and uh, it's taken away from them. And they, they're in a miserable place. It's from crisis. We should be tribulations, but we shouldn't be in crisis. Uh, giving in and giving up is always the lowest time that you and I have in our life. They, the little saying is, is nobody dies from falling in the water. Everybody dies from not getting up out of the water. So there's crisis everywhere. There's tribulation all over. What you do with it determines your future because everybody's got a story. So facing and overcoming a crisis 
is the top of your life. Victory begets victory. Once you win at anything, even if it's little, you have the stuff to go out there and say, I can handle this. You put on the Lord Jesus. Once you get uh, a testimony of healing, a testimony of laying hands on the sick for somebody else, and it works, it happens, praying for somebody's supply, and all of a sudden they say, I got a job, and you just go, yes, nailed it. Me and the Lord, we got this. And it just, what does it do? It just, it emboldens you to go out and say, let's find something else. Let's go find some devils. <laughs> Not many people do that, but you could. So crisis is the result of facing things and either, either going over them or being put under them. All of us have a story that we're not proud of where we wilted. We were a snowflake when trouble came. We just like, I don't feel like dealing with this. I don't feel like this thing's scratching, this thing's burning, this thing's hurting. And I just don't feel like getting out my scriptures and getting on my face and calling somebody and say, would you agree that Jesus bore this and took this? Sometimes we just say, pass the aspirin. Give me a shot. I've been there quite a few times. How about y'all? Just where you're hay fever, you're stuffed up, you're everything. And you remember the last time when they gave you that horse shot. It's right at that long. It's about that big around. And, you're, and you're, your little hip is just this big around. And the, anyway, you remember how much it hurt. They came out with that thing and they're smiling. It's so much fun for them. That nurse is so happy you came in. And she sticks it in with both hands and then rams that thing down. Am I telling this right? Rams that thing down. It hurts like old Billy. But in two days, you're good. Everything's good. Am I telling that right, nurse? <laughs> no, not quite. Well, there may be a little embellishment in that story, but that's how it felt at the time. Amen. So crisis is, is always a bringer of change. It's an initiator of change. No one goes through a crisis without changing, either for the better or for the lesser. Crisis will change you. Crisis is change. Like I said, it's the fork in the road. You're going straight, now you've got to go left or right. Crisis is change, and it, it results in change. You change to get to the crisis. You make a decision left or right, and then after you make a decision, change comes after that. Suddenly you're going, you're not going north anymore, you're going west or you're going east. Change has come. Nobody changes without crisis. I hate crisis. Well, you're not going to change then because very few, very rare do people change without trouble. All the increase comes from either two, one of two things, either tribulation, we change, because we have to, or revelation. Revelation is when you get up and say, I have, I'm having a great day. My money's here. Uh, my good girl's uh, making breakfast for me, and uh, I feel good. Everything's a great day. I believe I'll go learn something. I believe I'll fall on my face and seek God. That's not really how most people do it. But one of the two things, tribulation or revelation. And so uh, we know that the world's in a constant state of change, but we're also called to change. And we choose to change by revelation. Now, revelation is not something, I cannot give you revelation. Nobody can give you revelation. Revelation is what comes to you personally. You see something that's obvious and, and everywhere, but you hadn't seen it until you've seen it. And when you see something, you're changed on the inside. Suddenly you see, I remember the first time I gave, 
uh, I was, boy, I was, I was young in the Lord. And I gave, and I, I told you all that story. I gave $200, and I thought it was $10 million, and I thought they'd be calling saying, we're going to pay off the building since you showed up or something. And, uh, but it was a revelation to me, and it just changed my life. And then the new birth, then the baptism in the Holy Ghost, then healing after that. It's a revelation. It's not, it's not something that, it's not information. It's when you finally catch and see something that had not been seen. Y'all remember when you got whatever you got and the, the light coming on when you got it? It's like, I see it. And you get real excited about it. And you just want everybody down at the church you left to go and get, because you got revelation. I got the Holy Ghost. I got healed. I got delivered. Oh, I got, y'all, got to, y'all got to do it too. But nobody's excited because they didn't get the revelation. Your knowledge does not translate into revelation. Holy Ghost makes revelation. So let, when somebody says, let me share, you my, share with you my revelation, it may or may not affect you. You'll be glad for them, and yeah, that's nice. But revelation is personal, and it comes to you. Turn with me to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Are y'all still with me this morning? Okay. We're, you know, we endeavor here at River Church to minister mastery. That's why we don't hardly ever have, you know, one and done messages. We just, we just gnaw them and grind them and press them and turn them upside down and press them and gnaw them again until we have mastery, until we get it, till it's inside of us. Sometimes I'll be ministering on something like six or eight weeks. Yeah, 10 weeks. And somebody will come up on the ninth week and say, I got it this morning. Never saw what you were talking about for eight weeks, but this morning I see it. Brother Hagen always said that you, when you climb up a mountain, there's a different view from every side. Same mountain, but you don't see the same thing. So we just keep climbing up a different face and looking at it till, till we have mastery, till we know it in us and we can deal with it, where we can beat the devil, where we can submit to God, and that we can win. If you can't win, it didn't go in. Just having a sense about something, I heard about that, you got to win. you got to be able to beat the devil. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18 uh, says, but we all with open face, that'd be an unveiled face, beholding as in a glass, that would be a mirror. That's Elizabethan for mirror. So we all with open face, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are changed in the same image from glory to glory, even as by the spirit of the Lord. So he's talking here about being with God and being changed in the presence of God or being changed when you're in the word of God. Revelation is glory. It's glory to you. It's glory to me. We may preach on it. We may teach on it. We may instruct somebody, but it's not glory until they see it so that you can tell them the answer. Listen, I've done this. You tell them the answer and they just look at you like you're still getting to it and you hadn't got to it yet. You tell them, here's the answer to your life, and they're like, it's not revelation until they see it. In Romans one seventeen, it says, therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith unto faith. And here it is, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Point to yourself and say, hey, you, live by faith. Now, that's what you got to do. And you go, well, is it an option? 
If you don't option with faith, you have put, you have sided in with the world and whatever happens in the world, tribulation will come, but you won't overcome it and you'll be tribulated. I've been tribulated before. Nothing worked. I just was not interested. I, I don't know if y'all are ever been there before, but it's just like, ah, oh, I know what to do. I know better. I should. I'm not talking about sin here. I'm just talking about the way out, the victory, when you know it and you just don't go it. But here's the truth. Change and crisis are normal to life. Crisis isn't what happens to some and not to others. Well, they're real good. They're real spiritual. They go to church all the time. They pray. They don't have crisis. Crisis and change are normal to life. Everybody has it, and everybody changes by it. Uh, Everybody in this room, you have just recently, either just recently left a crisis or you're in one now. And you understand when I say crisis, I'm still not talking about the house burning down. I'm talking about coming to the fork in the road and you having to change. A decision has to be made because our whole life is based on decisions. When I was farming, it's not like, well, just plant your crops and grow them and then harvest them. Well, what should you plant? That was a crisis. Should you plant peanuts? Should you plant cotton? Should you plant uh, milo? What should you plant? Is it going to be a short season? Is it going to be a rainy season? Is, what is peanuts going to be worth? They were worth about $750 a ton when I was farming, but then the next year they were $150 a ton. It was good to plant them one year, but it was a mistake to plant them the next year. How long is the season going to last? If you get an early frost and you plant long-term cotton, then you get nothing. But if, it's, if the season lasts... You're a gazillionaire, sort of. So every day you got up and made a decision. When should I plant? Should I plant the last of April? It's still cold. Should I plant in May? How late can I plant? June 10th was always the last day you could plant cotton when I was farming. But now they're planting it all over the place because they got new cotton seed. My point is, is not to talk about farming, but to say that every day you and I shape our lives by our decisions. And some of them are crisis. Getting it right is a crisis. If you just say, oh, let's take the easy road out, uh, you might or might not hit it. But we pray it out. We seek God on it. We look in the word. We counsel with someone and we get it right and we avert crisis and we're changed and increased. We need each other. I need you. You need me. We need each other. Two is better than one. And in your own counsel, in my own counsel, you'll always make it different than it is. You won't see it like it really is. You'll see it like you want to see it, like you've always seen it. Have you ever read a paragraph in a book and just stopped at the last period and said, what did I just read? And you couldn't recall one single thought. It's like, oh, we didn't get this. You got to go back and read that chapter or that whatever. I've done that because I'm just getting through it. I'm a scanner anyway. So no one can live without change. Every day you got to change. Even if it's that you change to change. Change is a constant. The only thing you can depend on in life is that life is changing. So we're always managing a potential crisis in our life. Everything that we, that the input that we have, we are managing the details, managing the assets, managing the options, managing the opportunities to what we can do to avert crisis. We put our kids in a school that we think will give them the best avenue in life. We tell them, marry a good boy, marry a good girl. 
because that is good for all of us. We tell them, get a good job. I'll help you with your education or I'll help you with this. Why? Because we're managing potential and we're always trying to hit the hole or hit the place where it'll turn out the very best. That's the kingdom of God. Holy Spirit is always on that and doing that. So the result of crisis or, 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 or of, uh, tribulation is totally up to me. It's totally up to you. Does God have a certain girl for you to marry, a certain man for you to marry? They're going to fit in a certain spot. Does he have a place for you to live? Absolutely. If you believe there's a plan for your life, you've got to be at the right place. If it's like, God, God, just, God, you know where I am. If you want me to do something, I'll be over there. That's not how he works. He says, I'm blessing this right over here. Get your little self over there. That's where the blessing is. Yay. So our job is to say, well, God, where, where do you want me to be? What car do you want me to buy? There's lemons out there, and then there's good cars. Yeah. I've had both. <laughs> Y'all know about that. Amen. So uh, the crisis in itself is impotent. It is unable to put you under. But it's your reaction, my reaction to crisis, to the elements that are coming at me, the decisions that determines the outcome. So if, if I just let it happen, it'll always happen negatively. Dr. Cole always said things left to themselves just naturally go to the devil. You ever seen a vacant house? Why is it that a house vacant for two years looks like it's about to fall over and that your neighbor over there who never does anything to his house except go in and go out, it looks fine. I mean, sort of fine. Why is that? Things left to themselves just naturally go to the devil. So we have to, we have to face opportunities. We have to face challenges to make it, to steer it go the way it's supposed to go. Well, God's in control. No, if God was in control, there'd be a lot of things different. Yeah. It wouldn't be like this in the world if he was in control. He's not in control. I'm in control. You're in control. G Genesis chapter 1 says that he said, Let make, let's make man in our image and we'll give him authority over all the earth. And it's always been that way. So uh, crisis is not the same to everybody. Uh, some millionaires start freaking out when they're down to their last hundred thousand. It's a crisis. Ah, I believe it'd be okay if I was down to my last hundred thousand. <laughs> it wouldn't be a crisis at all. And some things, uh, uh, young mothers, temperature goes up in their kid at one degree. Well, they're just losing it. And that may not be a good example because we want to be diligent, but they're losing it. They're just over the hill. They're just like, what are we going to do? And it's like, just wait it out or just what, whatever. You know, it's not the same. So when you're in faith and when you have confidence, when you have an assurance, when you have a conviction about God is able and, and all things are working together for good, it puts you in the right place. You know when you get to the cross, to the why, to go left or go right. You know what to do. And you're not waiting for the other shoe to drop and say, I wonder if this was right. You know what to do. You know not to let your kids spend the night with certain people's kids. You just know this, this is not good. And you have a confidence about it, even though the kid is wailing and, and accusing you of being the worst ever. You know that's right. Let me just tell you this. In every crisis, there is a constant. 
life is full of change, but the constant is the word of God never changes. And you gotta, we got to have this as our bedrock because this is shifty out here. This is quicksand out here, but this is stable. This will never quit. Another thing that will never change is God's willingness to bring you out. He never gets mad at us. He never says, you are a stiff-necked. That's Old Testament. That's Old Covenant. You are a stiff-necked and hard-headed people. I will just wash my hands of you. I'm throwing you to the wolves. He's never going to do that in the age of grace. He's always on your side, and victory is clear in his focus. And number three, you, you know this will never change, is Christ in you, the hope of glory, the greater one in you, will never retreat. If you retreat, if you give up, if you back down, it was your head. We had a, we had a, 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 a sign in our band hall when I was in high school that says, you want to lose eight ugly pounds? Cut off your head. <laughs> well, that's terrible. That's gross. But, but this thing is not much more than to just, uh, what is it good for? Well, it's, it, yeah, it, it it's a terminal for your senses so that you don't sit on the hot stove. But God never says retreat on the inside. God never says we are done here. This is not going to work. I do not have an answer. He always does. Psalm 46.1. It says, God is our refuge and strength. Read it with me. A very present help in trouble. Let's say that part again. A very present help in trouble. Not someday, you know, God says, God says, I'll get back to you on that next month. He's a very present help in trouble. God thinks you're winning. God thinks we got this. When sickness and calamity comes, he thinks, he thinks that the stripes of Jesus already took care of this. When you're in utter despair because you missed it, you sinned, you, you messed up, and we think, oh, woe is me, God just hates me, and I'm not going to ever... God thinks that Jesus solved the sin problem. He's not even upset over our sin. The thing that upsets God about our sin is not from heaven's side. It's that we've sown something, we're into something that's going to come back and bite us unless we get the grace of God. He knows if you, if you steal something, which is sin, that they're going to come get you. So he hates it for that, but God is not upset by sin. I know that a lot of people don't like that, and I understand what you're thinking when you do, but it's not bothering heaven. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. The law of sin and death is, is the man that sins shall surely die. I've been set free from that. Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. We have just enough time for a hundred more scriptures. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. We've canceled Sunday night church so we can go a little longer on Sunday morning. Yeah. Amen. Thank you, Pamela. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. Look what the word says. It says this about crisis, tribulation, about temptation. There hath no temptation, no trial, no test taken you, but such as is common to man. So this says that the devil cannot put a disease or a, 
a, a thing that's never been seen. You watch all these shows about the aliens and about the, the green people and the uh, dominant force and the one, that's all baloney. None of that is actually true. These things, these uh, apparitions and people's experiences is all demonic forces. They are able to bring a, an image or a talk Y'all know what ghosts are and, and, and they, how they move things and talk? That's what they do with the UFOs and the, and the aliens. We are not going to lose it for the aliens. The aliens are not coming and they're not going to take over and we're not going to be destroyed. Quit. Doesn't that make people afraid? Of course. It's not in the Word. And the Word tells us the, the end from the beginning. And we are going up with Jesus and he's coming back and ruling and reigning and there's no purple people. In the mix. Just thought I'd throw that in while y'all were thinking. Hallelujah. But there's no temptation except what is common demand. So that stuff's off the table. And weird diseases or weird creatures or weird events that do not belong on the earth cannot come into your life. The devil can bring some manifestations, but we have power over him. I said he has to go in Jesus' name. So you just have to know who you are, and that's not, that is common demand. It says, uh, no temptation taken you, but such as is common demand. But God is faithful, who will not suffer, will, who will not allow you to be tempted above that ye are able. So no matter how it looks, greater is he that is in you than the trouble. Y'all say amen. It's greater. I can't bear it. I can't stand it. I'm going to get on drugs. I'm going to take my life. I'm jumping off the bridge. Nah. There's, out, there's always a way out. Remember that uh, scripture that says he, you, about the Red Sea. You put a pathway there that nobody knew was there. There's always a way out. There's always a ram in the thicket. There's always man on the ground the next morning. Well, we want pumpkin pie. We're going to have man in the morning. I want strawberry shortcake. We'll be having manna in the morning. It'll be enough. But, with, but will with the temptation, the trouble, the trial, also way, make a way to escape. It means to exit. To escape that ye may be able to bear it. Let me read it in the multiple choice version, the Amplified. He said, for no temptation, no trial, no matter how it comes or where it leads, can y'all say that's all of it? No, no temptation, no trial, no matter how it comes or where it leads, has overtaken you and laid hold on you that is not common to man. Somebody's already been through what you're going through. You are not the first. And Pastor Buzzy always said, once you find it in the body, somebody has got victory over anything then it's everybody's. So once AIDS was healed in somebody, it became our standard for everything. Once somebody walked normally after multiple sclerosis or cerebral palsy, then it's ours, all of us. We're not afraid. There's an antidote, there's an answer for every challenge. But God is faithful to his word and to his compassionate nature. And he can be trusted not to let you be tried beyond your ability and strength and power to endure. 
but will always also provide the way out. There's always a way to win. It's hidden for you. It's under the Red Sea. It's, it's in the thicket. It's, uh, it's in the oil that, would never, that never ran out. It, there's always an answer. Hidden. Yes, it was. He threw a twig into the river and the iron did swim. Now, how's that for you science students? <laughs> there's a way out. And then Psalm 77, 19, your road led by a pathway through the sea, a path that nobody knew was there. I'm just going to quit here and say this. You remember the temptation of the Lord Jesus by the devil in the wilderness right after he uh, started his ministry? And the temptation was that the devil tried to compromise the word and say, here's an easy way out. You're hungry. Let your angels bring bread to you. Why, you can speak to these stones and you'll be filled up. You'll be full. Just worship me one time and I'll, I'll worship you for the rest of eternity. You just got to worship me. Just fall down and worship me, the devil, one time. And the Lord Jesus every time says, it is written. And you and I have that antidote for everything. It is written. There is an answer for everything in here. There's an answer for every addiction. There's an answer for every uh, mean woman. There's an answer for every bad boss. There's, a man for, there's an answer for every symptom in your body, every trouble in your money, uh, every person that you just, that's just setting you on fire. There's an answer for everything. There's always a way to win in the word. Nobody has ever faced something that doesn't have an answer already in the word. So why does anybody go to crisis? They don't know that. They don't know there's an answer in the word. They don't know Holy Spirit knows the path out. They don't know there's a way of escape. They don't know. And so they go to crisis. Woe is me. We're all going to die. I talked to you about the, 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 the woman in the elevator. When we were in Russia, all the elevators jerk and creak and carry on and go up 10 feet and come down one and then go up 10 more feet. It's a scary thing. It, it makes riding a roller coaster look like a mother's love. Hallelujah. Uh, you could lose it there. Don't lose it. Have it inside of you. I know there's a way out. There's no scenario that is possible that's been crafted against you that does not have victory also attached to it. There is a victory. And when there's a victory over trouble, there's a testimony. We are called to have testimonies. I'd love to say because we're Christians that tribulation doesn't come, but it does come. But the testimony is behind it, and we need the testimony. You need last year's testimony when you face the same thing this year to say God is able, God is faithful. So you don't have that testimony. It's your first time going through this. Find somebody that has that testimony and said, yeah, I went through that same thing. It was old Billy. But one day the light came on, revelation came in, and I saw the path out, and he took me out of this trouble. There's a way out. I said there's a way out. Amen. So reaction to life is what steers your life. We used to say, I said it, you know, the, the deck of cards that's been dealt to you or the hand that's been dealt to you. So you might have all aces and queens or you might have all 
all uh, twos, uh, twos and threes. You go, I got a sorry hand. No, everybody got the same hand. It just looks different. There's, instead of queens, they got jacks. Instead of aces, they got kings. Everybody got the same hand. Some people are born with a, a frailty in them or ADD or, or challenges in their life physically. Y'all know those people? There's an answer. There's a way out. But I will tell you this, because I'm always going to step into a little bit of trouble, a little controversy. I, I'm always going to brush the edge just a little bit. Almost all troubles that children have or that we have as adults are the result of, of having parents, no condemnation, but having parents that didn't do what the Bible said. Everything was avoidable. Now, my parents didn't know anything. When I, before I got the Holy Ghost and then a little after that, I didn't know anything. So my kids up to that point are kind of on their own. I didn't steer anything. We, we had a standing appointment on Monday morning with Dr. Cook in Lubbock, and Colin was in his office every week. Something happened to us every week, and, and she hauled him up there. You know, it's 60 miles to the edge of town. Had a standing. It's like, up oh, there's Ms. Billings. It's time for her. Wonder what, wonder what the little kids got this week. I totally get it where I didn't do anything to change it. But after we got the Holy Ghost and after we decided that I can do all things through Christ, one time he's playing football and, uh, and broke his arm. He's just a little guy. And uh, we took him to Andrews, which is about 30 miles away. And Dr. Flory said, it's broke. Took an x-ray, it's broke. And it was severely broke. It was, and the kid was crying and carrying on. And he said, there's too much swelling. I've told you all this story, but there's too much swelling. Bring him back on Monday, and we'll set it. And Granny Hixie came over, and she said, let's pray. We didn't have sense to pray, but she, she, she said, let's pray. And we prayed and went back on Monday, and it took a long time because they kept having doctors come in, and they kept coming in and said, we need to re-X-ray this because the arm was perfect. It was perfect. Well, once you get that in your life, you're fearless. You're fearless, just like God likes me, God's on my side. I don't have any troubles. The other night we were watching a show or a news broadcast. Actually, it was about the Bahamas. And I looked at her, she looked at me and said, We don't have any troubles. We don't have any troubles. Quit crying, quit moaning, quit carrying on, quit blaming, quit excusing. We don't have any troubles. But the few troubles that come, I'm going to dominate them anyway. I'm not going to compare myself to being uh, just over the edge. I'm going to say, even this can't go. They say David Hogan. David Hogan is a modern Smith Wigglesworth or a modern John G. Lake. Uh, you'd say he was crazy. And if you ever round him, You'd be pretty much right. And I've heard enough of his stories. But he laments. He is mad. He is, he is so upset that he has to have reading glasses. It is unacceptable. And he is not standing for it. So I went, gosh, I'm putting up with a lot of stuff. <laughs> I, 
I'm practically a slug. I need to get saved. <laughs> I need to get saved. This man is just irate. He is just reading glasses. I cannot read print close up or whatever, you know. It's the only thing he said, ah, this is, this is going down. And if you ever listen to him talk about it, it's like, wow, wow, what else? But he reads 50 chapters in the Bible every day. So uh, 50 chapters. Y'all know how long it takes to read uh, like Luke 24 or uh, Psalm 119 or something? Whew. You, you, you eat breakfast, then you read Psalm 119, then you eat lunch. It's time. We're hungry. And he reads 50 chapters a day or more. Well, that's not works. I'm just saying. There's no room for anything in him except God will. And that's what we all got to do. You want something big in the future? You might as well spend your time in the Word and church and whatever, growing up inside. Someday, someday, you're going to be so glad you sent your kids to piano lessons. Well, maybe not that, but, you know, they're, they're crying and grinding. Eric pitched a fit. Little, little Eric pitched a fit to get out of piano lessons. He only went two years, and he didn't get anything out of it because he pitched a fit. But someday, you're going to be glad. I'm glad I, I'm glad I made my kids do this or that. I'm glad I didn't let them do this or that. And someday the same thing's going to be said of you and me and the Lord. I'm glad I didn't let them do this or that. I'm glad I told them. Eric and Colin never said we're, we feel bad because they had Willie George tapes about how, uh, healing scriptures. It's like, you know what to do. You had to go in your room for three hours and listen to healing scriptures. We feel fine. <laughs> Everything's good. <laughs> it's not that bad. <laughs> ah. But now they can both quote the word, healing scriptures and other things. They just quote it. Just like it just rolls out of Colin. Just, you get my point. I'm not talking about my kids. It's just that's what I know. And so you can do the same and have the same. Praise God. Praise God. Well, I saw yesterday by the Holy Ghost, and I'm real reluctant to share this, but I saw a, uh, a person, a... a I hate to say the gender because I don't want to exclude. And uh, you're, you're, you're distraught, you're upset because you have a brother that is at the end of his life. He's just, he's not doing good at all. The doctors have wrote him off. It's your brother. And I think he's left-handed. I, I hate to take that out there, but just to let you know that the Holy Ghost has got you in mind. You have a brother that's left-handed and he is in terrible shape. And the morning, this morning, I want to tell you, the Lord Jesus knows about him and has compassion for him and has a plan for his life. So we speak healing to this brother in the name of Jesus, and we tell you to rise up and, and take off the sickness clothes, so to speak, and be healed and be made whole. We tell this condition that's assailing you, loose him and let him go in Jesus' name. I want to tell that, uh, I believe it's a sister, uh, that's your brother's bad. Your prayers have availed much, and the end is near. The, the good end is there, is near. Amen? Amen. Now, if, that, if you're that woman, this is good news. But if you're not that woman or that brother, it's still good news because God cares. This is a vague word, and I'm pretty safe this morning because I won't know or probably won't know whether it's just me or the Holy Ghost, but I believe it's the Holy Ghost. And we've had testimonies come in to say, that weird thing you said the other day, somebody got nailed by it, and it's, it's all over. So, yay. Praise God. 
We're going through crisis. We're going through it. It changes us and makes us go up. It challenges us to be changed. It takes what uh, seems for granted and normal. It takes it and puts it, makes it important, and we deal with it. We deal with stuff that we wouldn't ordinarily deal with because it's costing us, and it has an expected end. Amen. So I bless you now in the name of Jesus. I speak Holy Ghost leading you and guiding you and setting your path. I say of, of you that you are submitted, you are cooperating, you are lined up saying, I will do the will of God, show me. And the Lord will have his way in your life. And the marvelous, marvelous end of it is a glorious testimony, but it's also a growing up in him that now you can handle more, not only for your own life, walking in divine life, having a full supply, having troubles that are easily dismissed, but you're able to be a testimony and a light to other people. In Jesus' name, I say victory is yours. Amen. 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 Well, amen. Thank you for tuning in this morning. We appreciate it. I hope the word blessed you. I know it did. Amen.